0: Mighty Lord, we thank you that we can come before you. Uh, thank you that we have the freedom, that we have uh, your word in our language, that we can understand it. Uh, may you continue to teach us how we're to love you um, and how even resting is, is enjoyment of you. Please guide us, Lord, teach us, and may we grow in our faith and grow to love you uh, and be thankful for what you've done. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you all remember last week, uh, we talked about work, uh, we all work, right? We all have some sort of labor that we're doing, whether it's a job, whether you're a parent, um, you're in school, uh, you do arts and crafts, like all these things um, are works, they're labors, right? So we all do it. We all are creators, in the, uh, little c, creators in a way, right? We, we mirror God by creating, by working, um, by using our imagination, uh, the gifts that we have. So last week we talked about how um, we're to use all of these things for the glory of God. Right? God calls us to love him. Uh to love him with our minds, we love him with our hearts and to love him with our strength or our might. Um, this includes our bodies, this includes our time, our energy, uh and especially our work, right? We're to love God with our labors. Um, so we talked about how um, we do this by first of all not doing it for ourselves. Right? If we are working for selfish gain, working just for that paycheck, or just raising kids so that we get the glory, um, right, we're not doing it for the glory of God. We're not doing it for Him. We're doing it for ourselves. Um, but we also have to admit, right, that we're the ones. We're not in control of our work. Uh, we looked at Psalm one twenty seven. Um, it's in vain that the builders build the house, uh, because unless the Lord does it, it's not going to get done. Right? Unless the Lord is the one watching over the city, it's not going to matter how many watchmen stay up unless the Lord is at work, our work is meaningless it's empty it's it doesn't contribute or add anything. Um, so we looked at how we have to admit that right if we're to really glorify God with our work, we have to admit that our work is not about us it's not in our control right and the last thing is that we can't earn anything through it uh, that's countercultural. Right, for American society especially, but really all of all the world, because we think that we earn things by our work. Uh, especially, we think we earn rest. Right, We think that at the end of a long day of work, we've earned the right to sit down, to rest, to do the things we want to do. Um, but again, Psalm 127 says, it's in vain that you stay up late working or going to bed late. It um, doesn't matter how much anxious toil you put in, Sleep is a gift of God. God gives sleep to his beloved. So this is what uh, we have to come back to when we think about work is we can't earn stuff through it. We can't earn rest. So now we can talk about rest. right? So what is rest then? We know it's it's got to be a gift of God. It's something that he gives, not earned. Um, it's not a result of our labor. But we also know that rest is about more than just going to bed at night. Right? you can sleep all night and not be rested at all um, so we need to think about what is rest right is it just sleep is it deeper than sleep um, and we we have to think about okay so how do we love God with our rest so what do you think what is rest is rest just sleep is rest you know playing video games is rest going going shopping what is it Okay. Yeah, letting go of the environment around you. So just drifting off, you know, sitting in a pool with lilies around you. <laughs> no, I I think you you have a good point, right? There's rest is about letting go. Right? Not trying to actively control and, and drive life. What else? What is what else is rest? Let's ask this question. Um, why does God command rest? Right? Is God just being practical? Does God know that, okay, I created them to be able to work for six days and then they're going to need a day of rest before they can work more? Matthew. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, rest has to flow from trust in God. There has to be a sense where you can't rest if you think that, you know, there's stuff to be done and, and I have to make sure that I earn my, earn my food and earn my clothes and earn our house. If you're so actively trying to, you know, control your life, you're not going to rest. How can you? But when you're trusting God, right, that gives you the freedom But why else else does God command rest? Charlie, what do you think? I think it's an aspect of of imaging Him.
1: If you think of verses like, they will not enter into my rest. There's something that we lost in the fall that Christ is restoring and resting in some way uh,
0: imitates Him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what, what is. Oh, gee, did you have something? Okay, yeah, so there's a connection between rest and worship. We'll get to that, too. That's a great point. But yeah, Charlie, there's an essential part of who we are is, is rest because we image God. Because God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. He doesn't. He didn't need to do that, right? But he did. So then why does God rest, right? And that will help us see maybe why God commands us to rest. Why did God rest? Right. He doesn't need to. He's God. He doesn't get tired. You know, He didn't run out of steam at the end of the day.
2: He's setting a pattern for us.
0: Okay, yeah, it was partly to set a pattern. What else? Is there maybe to show of completeness, like his work was done? That's true, yeah. The Lord wanted to communicate that. Okay, now work is finished. Creation is where I want it to be. I think that's true. I think there's, th- think about it more like, okay, so what did God do on the seventh day? I mean, yeah, he wasn't working, he wasn't creating, but was he just, did he, you know, do that and walk away? Think about the Garden of Eden. How is that? How is the garden of Eden a special place? What made it different? God was there. God was present in a garden. Right? What do we do? why do we hang out in gardens? Cuz it's beautiful. Cuz <laughs> we want to enjoy it. Right, Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump in ahead just a a little bit. Um, Because we're still thinking about, okay, so why does God rest, right? If the garden is God's special presence, that means that God didn't walk away from his creation. God didn't walk away from his creation when he was done, right? God inhabited it. He made a garden, and then he dwelt there. Um, I think the point that we're supposed to draw from this, right, is that on the seventh day, in God's rest, he started to enjoy his creation, he sat back and said, okay, I'm done creating. Now I'm going to enjoy what I've created. And the garden is, is proof of that. That there's a, a, a temple almost in the middle of creation that is special because God's presence is there. Because he is, is dwelling there specifically to be with his people. To be with his creation. So I think rest and enjoyment, those go together. Right? God rested so that he could enjoy his creation. Um, and I think for us, that helps us understand, okay, so why does God command us to rest? Because he wants us to enjoy him. Right? It goes both ways. God wants to enjoy his creation and, and create and rest, and he wants his people to enjoy him. So when do we, when do, we do that? I mean, obviously, every single day, every single moment. But one specifically is, is there any, I don't know, day of the week that we specifically set aside to enjoy God? Is it maybe today? <laughs> yeah. Right? What is, what is the, the tie between God's pattern and what he commands his people to do? Right? God commands his people to rest on one specific day. And it's the day that he rested, because it was a pattern he set up. And the day that the Lord rested, right, was a day of him to enjoy his creation. To say, I have created everything, now I get to enjoy it. And I think the pattern that he sets up, right, he links the two. He links the Sabbath that we are commanded to rest, because God rested. And I think it's it's kind of setting up some patterns of, okay, if God wants us to rest, that means he wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to set aside a day specifically to enjoy God. And so that's why the Sabbath was the day of worship, right? Because what do you do when you want to enjoy God? You worship him. You go into his temple for Israel, right? You go to his temple. You, you offer sacrifices. You fellowship with other believers. You sing praises to God. You, you spend time thinking about him, worshiping him, meditating on his word, Right, the purpose of the Sabbath was not just so that everybody could gather their energy back. Right, there's this this pattern was a culmination of labor in a day of rest and enjoyment. And Jesus will expand on this and say, right, the Sabbath was not made. Sorry, man was not made for the Sabbath. Right. And in essence what Jesus is saying is we weren't created in order to fill the gap. That was created for us. God set the pattern in creation for our good because He wanted us to have a day specifically set aside to enjoy Him. Right? It's not a day for us to check another box, right, to say, okay, I've rested, I didn't watch football, right? I didn't watch the Super Bowl, so I'm good. Right? Or I didn't I didn't go and work today. Or I didn't, you know, walk more than fifty steps, or I didn't pick up a bundle of sticks. That's what the Pharisees did, right? They made it a day of of do's and don'ts. Here's what you're allowed to do on the Sabbath. Here's what you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath. And in one sense, right, they were taking seriously God's claim that this was a day of holiness. It was a day set aside. A day specifically dedicated to the Lord. And they took that seriously. But they missed the point. And Jesus clarifies, saying, it's not about you fitting the Sabbath. It's a Sabbath that was made for you. God desired you to have this day. Right? So we have to think about, okay, it's not about us having to do something for God. Um, and it's just typical human nature, right? That we turn rest into something that we're doing for God. Right? We turn a day of worship into our works. <laughs> Instead of a day of receiving and worshiping and being blessed. All right, so this this is why Israel worshiped on the Sabbath. Because this was the day that the Lord assigned, set aside specifically so that every other, what's the word? Every other worldly concern, don't worry about it. Right? And it's the same for us. Don't worry about the rest of life. Don't worry about your job right now. Don't worry about um, what you're going to have for dinner. Worry instead about coming to worship God and enjoying him and resting. Um, in essence, right, this is what, what the Lord was intending the Sabbath to do was to be a little, a little snapshot, a little preview, a sneak peek, right, of, of heaven. Because that's what the garden was about. Right? The garden was a was slice of heaven on earth. And Adam was supposed to take the garden, right, and spread that to all of creation. To take what he had found in the garden and spread it all over creation so that all of creation would become a garden, a place of God's presence. And so when the Lord then ties the Sabbath and creation together, what he's saying is this is supposed to be a little snapshot of, of dwelling in my presence. Right? Because you go to the temple where God dwells. You go and you worship him. You spend the day in rest and enjoyment of God. That's a little picture of heaven, a little picture of, of what we are looking forward to. So now let's ask this question. right If Israel worshiped on the seventh day of the week, uh, why don't we do that? Why do we rest on the first day of the week? So why is why? What does that change? New life, everything changes. But specifically for rest, why does that change our rest? Finished work. What? A finished, work. a finished work. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's a there's a work that was done, right? That is completed.
2: So it's like
0: a Genesis. Mm-hmm. A new creation, right? The the. The pattern of old creation was work six days, rest on the seventh. And it's interesting, right, that Jesus was resting in the grave on the seventh day. Died on a Friday, buried, rested on the seventh day, raised on the eighth. So why else, but why do we then take this pattern and apply it to our own lives? How does this change our dynamic Michelle, I think it's like
2: you said before, we don't earn our rest. And if rest is a place of trusting God, then we're working from that rest and from that trust. And we're taking the first day of the week and trusting God for the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, I think you nailed it. (laughs) No, that's really insightful, right? Because think about how that changes the week in the in the pattern of creation right you work for 6 days and then the 7th day is the day of rest you work leading up to rest but that's different now right because we now we rest on the first day and then we work for 6 days we don't begin our week with work we begin our week with wow we begin our week with rest it's a tongue twister right we begin now everything that we do flows from rest It's like Jesus has flipped it on its head, right? Spun it around so that now we get to rest first and then we go and we we labor. So it's it's as if, right, that Jesus' death and resurrection, right, was earning rest for us. And I think that's exactly true. We can't earn it. It has to be a gift of God. And yet the Lord knows that there's still a price to be paid. And he paid that price so that his people can have rest, that his people can enjoy him. Uh, And that includes a couple different categories, right? There's the rest as being in God's presence. That the garden, what that was intended to do, right, was a place of God's presence where his people could rest. The temple was the same thing. You go and you rest on the Sabbath day and you go to the temple where God's presence is, right? But... Does this church building represent God's presence?
1: Believers
0: are here. Believers are here. Yes, but this built this physical building is not the place of God's presence. The temple was. The temple was the physical place of God's presence. The garden was the physical place of God's presence. What's the physical place of God's presence now? You, go look in the mirror. (laughs) You are the place of God's presence that that severs the the tie between having to go somewhere in order to enjoy god All right we come to a church building so we can be together but this is the building itself is not the point the people are right that when we come to worship god we are indeed in his presence and we get to rest together in his presence and enjoy god and that's only possible Because Jesus had to die on the cross. Because the problem, right, is that we are estranged from God. We're cut off. Sin Sin drove Adam out of the garden. right? No longer could he be in God's presence. And even with the temple, right, yes, God's people could come and be with him. But it required required sacrifices. It required cleansings. It required uh, uh, this whole list of things that you had to do to make sure that when you came, God wasn't going to strike you dead, right? It was it was for your own protection because God is holy and his people aren't. And so there has to be some sort of cleansing so that his people can be in his presence. What Jesus does is he cleanses his people forever so that no longer are you cut off from God's presence. No longer do you have to sacrifice three doves and a couple goats before you come through the, the church door. Right now, you can just come as you are. That's completely changes the paradigm, but it's still the same principle. Right? It's still the principle of being with God. That's what rest is about. But then there's this other category, this other aspect. Right? Uh, we don't have the time to go into how Scripture talks about the eighth, the eighth day. Um, it's a really interesting theme throughout Scripture where a lot of things happen on the eighth day. It's the day after the seventh, right? It's still the seven-day week, but scripture will have these, like for the Jubilee year, it was 49 years, seven times seven, but the 50th year, the eighth year, that was the year of rest. And it was pointing forward, right? Pointing forward to the day that Jesus would be resurrected, which was the eighth day. Because the eighth day in scripture is the day of renewal, It's the day of being set free. It's the day of, of new creation. So when we come to worship on Sunday, right, we are coming as renewed people, as people who have been set free, as people who have become new creations. Right. It's, it's taking all these themes of, of rest and worship and then pushing it forward into this new creation, right, where we come to enjoy God's presence as holy people. Not because of our works, not because we have you know, spent the last six days earning today. It's the opposite, because this is the first day of the week. We come as people who have been set free, uh, who have been given rest as a gift, and then we go out to work. But only after all that happens. That's the... Some of the <laughs> really interesting themes that Scripture is pulling together with Sundays and the days of rest, um, but that's not the end of God's plan, right? Why? Why is Sunday not enough? This is a great day, right? It's it's a wonderful day. We get to worship. We get the rest. But why is it not enough? Because
1: it's imperfect.
0: How is it imperfect? It's
1: full of sinners.
0: <laughs> Yeah, the last word is the most important, I think. Sunday ends, right? Sunday, you go to bed, you wake up, and you got to go to work. Or if you're like me, you wake up on Monday, and that's your, that's your day off, and it's a great day. Um, we only work one day a week. It's fine. But yeah, it's, it's not enough because it ends. Right, We have to go back into the world of futility and laboring, um, but why else is it not enough?
2: It takes more than just the Sabbath
1: to get to know God. It's seven days worth of labor
0: to get to know God. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, is is just coming to church once a week, you know, not thinking about God the rest of the week, is that enough?
2: If you're asking whether or not it's enough, you're asking the wrong question. What do you mean? There's never enough. Like, if you're asking, did I do it yet? Then you're looking at it the wrong way. You're looking at it to just check off a box. It's not. It's not about
0: checking off a box or making it be enough. Or yeah, you know, it's about that relationship, like Mr. Beeman was saying. That's a great point. Yeah, it's it's not enough for a couple of reasons, right? One is that it's, it doesn't last long enough. The other is that how can we possibly get to know God and have a relationship with Him, not only just for one day of the week, but also. We're not seeing God face to face. It's not enough because we're not yet in heaven. Because as as wonderful as Sunday is, right, it's just a little sliver. It's a sneak peek, right, of what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward to something better. And I know all the teenagers are like, oh, so heaven's just going to be church 24-7? No, it's going to be better. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. It's like the best form of church is not just you know, coming to worship, singing songs, and then going home, right? Worshiping God and enjoying him includes everything we do at church, but it's also, I mean, it doesn't end when the church service stops, right? We're not in church for the entire Sunday. We're doing other things, but the whole day is still set aside for God, that we are called to rest and love God and enjoy him for the whole day because when we go to heaven, we're not going to stop enjoying him there's never going to be a point in heaven where the church service stops um, and then we you know we go do our own thing. It's worship and praise in everything that we do right for the for the whole rest of eternity. So that means right that we're we're looking forward to life but complete, life but fulfilled, and, and life that is full of enjoyment of God. All the time. With everything that we do. Another reason that it's not enough. right? Is that. Do you see everybody in the world. Here. No. There are people who. Are. Either against the church. Or who have passed on. That we don't get to see yet. We're still looking forward to. Resting not just with our small community, but resting and worshiping God with every believer who has ever existed. Right There's a depth and a reality that is far greater than we can understand that we're looking forward to. So let's talk about um, what Scripture says about Sunday not being enough, in the sense that God is still looking forward to something else. Like He is pushing us to look forward to something else, too. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Hebrews 3. We're going to read a few verses. So Hebrews 3, um, specifically verses uh, 12 through 19. And notice, especially whenever it uses the word rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, and none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we share in Christ if we hold our original confidence firm to the end as it is said today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion for who are those who heard and yet rebelled was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses and with whom was he provoked for 40 years was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So this is the first half of, of Hebrews' argument. Uh, what he's talking about is, here's Israel, right, sent out from Egypt by God. They're headed towards the promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Uh, In essence, right, God was saying, I have promised you a land of rest. All you have to do, right, is trust me, walk through the wilderness, and it's yours. And what Hebrews says is, well, they didn't, obviously, right? They wandered for 40 years because God was provoked. They rebelled against God. They had hardened hearts. They sinned against him, right? And they did all of this by saying, man, I wish we could go back to Egypt, right? I wish we could go back to the land of slavery and labor, because they had cucumbers, imagine loving cucumbers so much, right? They're they're looking not forward; they're looking back. They're not looking forward to the rest that God has promised. They're looking backwards at what they thought was rest. Do you guys do this? Should probably be nodding your head. I do it. How do we do this? How do we act like Israel, not looking forward to the rest that God's promised, but looking back? John.
1: In our actions, by fearing what the future has, and not trusting God to be sovereign
0: and Okay. Well, what does that lead us to do? Mm -hmm. and that's what we do yeah yeah we all do that we still do it so what are the things that Israel is prioritizing were they prioritizing the future rest or what they thought they had in Egypt they were prioritizing what they thought they had in Egypt right this is what we do as well instead of prioritizing the rest that's to come that we know is greater than anything this world can provide we're looking backwards we look to the times that we get to sit down, put our feet up, and watch Netflix. Or we finally get to do the things that we want to do instead of the things that we have to do. We make rest about ourselves. We make rest about, you know, the, the temporary pleasures of this life. That's what Israel was doing, right? They were saying, man, I wish we had cucumbers, even though that was a land of slavery, it's the same with us. We, we, we're like, man, I wish I could rest more. I wish I had more time for myself. Instead of, there's a rest that is coming that's deeper than anything this world can provide. That's where my focus needs to be. <clears throat> and now the second half of Hebrews' argument, right? If that's what Israel was doing, right, what was God doing? Was God really going to promise this land that was going to fulfill all of their desires? No. Instead, what it says, uh, look at chapter 4, verses um, verses 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his So here's Hebrews' point, right? The rest that God promised was not about the land of Canaan. God was actually using the land of Canaan as, like the Sabbath, like the temple, like the garden, a little sliver of what was to come. That God had bigger plans and ambitions than even Israel understood. That the land of Canaan was supposed to be a land of rest for his people, but only as it pointed forward to another day. So that's what he says, right? If Joshua, who entered the land and conquered it, had given God's people rest, that would have been it, right? God would have said, okay, all done. Now you're going to dwell in this land for the rest of eternity, and it's going to be great. No. Israel lost the land. They rebelled against God, and they were kicked out of it. But God was still saying, there's still a day coming when I will give you rest, And there, so, uh, verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is what Sunday is about. It's about looking forward to an eternal Sunday, an eternal rest. And that means, right, that in order to enter into that rest, we can't be like Israel. We can't be looking back at Egypt, a.k.a. this world, this life, our jobs, our labors, and saying man this is this is great this is everything that i need right because we don't actually believe that we try to we try to take rest for ourselves in this life right we try to earn it we try to find time for ourselves uh, at the expense of other things but what we're really saying is that we're not trusting that god is going to give us something greater that we're exchanging the, the glory of God for little tiny idols. So Hebrews says, right, in verse 11 in chapter four, so let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So there's two, two conditions, right, to enter into the Sabbath rest. The first, right, is to not be like Israel. Israel rebelled, they rejected the promises of God uh, in exchange for what they wanted. And the other is to endure. Right? To strive to enter the rest sounds a lot like Paul's run the race, right? Finish it. Run the course. This life is hard. Work is hard. You're not going to get the rest that you want in this life. But that's okay. Because everything that we just talked about with Jesus, right? Jesus has one rest for his people. That Sabbath, the Sundays that we have are meant to be little pictures to keep us going on that path. To remind us that there's something greater that we're striving for. That we're looking forward to. And only those who hold fast to faith until the end will enter. Right? It's, It's a challenge to us to not reject the promises of God. But we also have to be careful, right, to, to not believe that it's then in our strength. Because what Hebrews says just a few verses later, right, since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in whom every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Right, Hebrews says, hold fast to your confession. Don't rebel. Don't harden your hearts. But this is only possible because you have Jesus as your high priest. Right, we can't forget that the whole reason we're here is because of the gospel. And the gospel is the only reason that we will endure and we have a high priest, so that when things get hard, right, we have someone to turn to. So I want to. We have a couple minutes left, but I want to leave you with this. Um, at the start, right, I talked about how this, the the creation, right, how God rested on the seventh day was um, partly a pattern, right, that He was establishing, but also. God wanted to enjoy his creation. God has never lost that enjoyment. And throughout scripture, what you see is God desiring and creating ways to be with his people. That's, that's what the garden was about. That's what the temple was about. It's what the land was about. And it's what the cross was about. It's about a lot of things, but it's also about God desiring to be with his people so much that he's willing to break every barrier, including our own sin, so that he could be with us, so he could be with you. God enjoys you. If our rest is about enjoying God, it goes both ways. God enjoys you. And so what we're looking forward to in heaven, right, is not just a rest where finally we get to put our feet up, and we don't have to do our nine-to-five job anymore. It's about going to be in the presence of the God who wants to be in your presence too. And that's an amazing thing. So we get to rejoice, right? We get to spend this life working, right, for God's glory. But always looking forward to what we have to come. So that our rest now is just a little, a little picture of what's to come. Any questions or comments? I actually finished a couple minutes early. Um, Charlie. What you said a minute ago made me think of uh, when you
1: were sort of addressing how we get frustrated with you know, our selfishness or idleness or gratification. It made me think of Christ in John 5 17, where he says, He's being rebuked for doing these things on the Sabbath. And he says, My Father is working until now, and I am working. So that there's an aspect of rest which isn't inactivity, and when we think of what Christ's works are on this Sabbath, on this rest, He is instructing us, He is feeding us, He is enjoying us and delighting us all day, and in a sense, it behooves us to ask how we can mirror Him on this day that He has set aside for in- instructing each other.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, our, our community is not meant to be passive. Like, we get together, and Scripture tells us lots of times how we're to exhort each other and love each other, right? Because in a sense, we're, we're gathering to enjoy God and gathering to enjoy each other. And that's the blessing of community and church and fellowship is that it actually builds us all up when we get to enjoy each other. John?
1: Yeah. there's labor involved in that, but it's he says my burden is light. My burden is empty my burden light. Yeah. It's not particularly difficult, but it, it is something that would that's set before us during the rest of the
0: week, Yeah, see, first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added to you. Michelle? I mean to,
2: maybe, when I think of it, something I'm learning is to find the rest in the work. And we talk about rest is trusting God. And so to be doing the works that God has given us, but like you said, not in our own strength. And, and to be wearing that yoke where Jesus is carrying the burden of it, and you're just kind of walking alongside him, And that's hard to remember, and I think that's how, but I think it's important as we go through the rest of our week, yep, Sunday is great, but we take Sunday into the rest of the week with us, and to remember that, oh, it's not me doing these words; it's God working through me, mm-hmm. and, and somebody brought up John 15, abide in me, and you will bear fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. And I'm so yeah. struggling to understand and do this. So if anyone has any insights, <laughs> we're
0: talking. Yeah, about. No, it's, it's a lifelong learning process of, okay, how do we actually stop trying to be in control? Yeah, let me know when you figure it out. <laughs> it's just, it's our default. And it's like, as soon as we stop thinking about it, right back to it. Yeah, and that's not restful. It's actually... We have the ability and the freedom to let go and trust God, and we just don't want to. Any other questions or comments? Charlie, I know you got some sidetracks that you want to bring up. (laughs) Wow, are pigs flying? All right, let's pray as we we close. Father, thank you so much uh, that you have won rest for us, that you sent your Son to earn what we could never earn, an eternal Sabbath when we get to rest and enjoy you. Thank you, Lord, that you've removed every barrier between us and you. And Father, please help us to not harden our hearts, to not try to seize control and earn rest for ourselves and uh, try to find it in the things of this world. Help us to keep our eyes on you and to look forward to what you are doing. Guide us, Lord. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.